You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. Combat medals, citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. Here you are, Captain. What is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir. Here we go. In three, two, one. Top Gun Maverick, the long-awaited sequel. The return of Tom Cruise as Captain Peter Maverick Mitchell, shattering box office records on Memorial Day weekend, grossing more than $612 million worldwide so far and climbing. Some critics say the sequel is better than the original. What could stop this high-flying film? Enter a copyright infringement lawsuit by the heirs of the writer whose story inspired the original film about four decades ago, alleging that Paramount released the sequel without securing a license. Joining me is intellectual property litigator Terrence Ross, a partner at Catanuchin Rosenman. Terry, this is a blockbuster movie with an enormous budget that's been highly anticipated for a long time. The return of Tom Cruise as Maverick. It seems incredible to me that a studio like Paramount wouldn't be sure they had the rights sewn up before the release. Well, I think that's correct, June. And I know for a fact that Paramount's well represented on the legal side. And I assume that they came to the same conclusion that I did, that there was no obligation on their part to purchase a new license from the Yone family in order to produce the Top Gun sequel. Wow. So you agree with them. So let's go to the very beginning. At the making of Top Gun, Paramount did have the rights at that point. What happened since then? So. The rights you refer to, June, are the rights to an article in California Magazine, published April 21st, 1983. 
that describes two participants in the Navy Top Gun program who go by the call signs Yogi and Possum and what their typical day at Top Gun is like. That's what they bought the rights for. The movie has at the end somewhere a credit to the extent story based on this story. We need to come back and discuss what that means in more detail, but the movie came out, as you recall, 1986. Under the 1976 Copyright Act, there was a new provision put in Section 203 that provides for termination of copyright transfers 35 years after the copyright is transferred during a five-year window, so essentially 35 years after the copyright is assigned, you have five years to claw back the ownership of the copyright from whomever you assigned it to by sending them a termination letter and jumping through some formalities. The heirs to the author of the Top Guns article in California Magazine assert that they did that, that they properly and lawfully terminated the assignment of the copyright effective January 21st, 2020, and that therefore when the movie came out a couple weeks ago, that it was an infringement of the copyright that they now owned once more, and for which Paramount did not take a new license before release of the movie. So we get a hint of Paramount's response in the suit. According to the suit, the Yonez sent a cease and desist letter in early May to which Paramount responded that the film had been sufficiently completed before the effective termination date of its copyright and was not derivative of Yonez's article. How is this not derivative if the first movie was derivative? So you've got a presumption built in there that the first movie was derivative of the article. And I think that's the problem with the logic here and the problem with a lot of the commentary so far on the filing of this lawsuit. Unlike most of the reporting, unlike most of the media that has gone on so far about this, I actually went back and read the California Magazine article called Top Guns, plural, that was written by Mr. Yone. You're too uh, good, April Jerry. Doing such thorough research. It's all in the details, June. Um, and I read the article, and it was nothing more than a factual account of two fighter pilots' typical day in the Top Gun training program. What it did not have was that the rear seat for Maverick dies during the training. There's no female trainer, the Kelly McGillis part. There's no encounter with MiG fighter jets over the Indian Ocean. There's no father of Maverick being shot down in Korea as the backstory. There's no iconic volleyball match. There's no competition amongst the Top Gun pilots vis-a-vis the Maverick versus Iceman competition. There's simply no story there. What there is is a factual recounting of a typical day for two typical Navy fighter pilots in the Top Gun program. Now, keep in mind, there is a big difference how copyright treats fiction and factual works. In order to infringe a copyright in a factual work, which is what this magazine article was, you have to engage in what's known as literal copying. It's like taking it and putting it on the Xerox machine and reprinting it that way. With respect to fictional works, there's this concept of substantial similarity. All you have to do is show that somehow it's substantially similar, derived from that work. And we have that very important distinction built into copyright law between factual works and fiction works because we don't want anyone to have a monopoly on the facts or on history. And this work that was copyrighted is a work of fact, not fiction. The movie Top Gun is a work of fiction that happens to share 
certain factual elements from the California Magazine article. That does not constitute copyright infringement. So are you saying that the studio didn't even need a license for the original film, Top Gun? That is correct. They could arguably have made the Top Gun movie, the original, without obtaining any rights to the California Magazine article. That's not the way most movie studios work. They like to lock up ideas, and that's all this California Magazine article is, is an idea of what might turn into a movie. Movie studios like to lock up ideas for movies by going out and optioning them for relatively small amounts of money, and they will have a portfolio of these. And Paramount is probably the most famous of the movie studios for engaging in this practice. If you've watched the new miniseries on Paramount Streaming called The Offer, which is about the making of the Godfather movie, there's a discussion in there between the head of the studio and some other executives about how Paramount's practice is to lock up famous books, even if there's no current plan to make a movie about the book, which is how they got the Godfather book locked up to make a movie about it. Godfather, however, was a fictional work. This article in California Magazine was not a fictional work. It was just a recounting of facts. If that constitutes some sort of intellectual property control over the telling of any story about naval aviation, my goodness, there would be a claim to so many other movies out there. It would make it impossible for the movie industry to do any sort of movie about naval fighter pilots or the United States Naval Aviation Units. I mean, that's not how copyright works. For the sake of argument, let's say that Paramount did need to get a license. So Paramount said the movie had been effectively completed before the termination date of the copyright. And this movie was delayed due to COVID. So would it have to have been substantially completed, completed, released? Do we even know the answer to that? There is no existing law on this issue. The position that Paramount has taken is that it was, quote, substantially completed, close quote, prior to the termination date. Now, the way Section 203 of the Copyright Act works is that notwithstanding a termination notice having been issued, if you publish, and I mean publish in the sense of copyright publishing, put it out there for the public, if you publish a work prior to the termination date, you have the right to continue to distribute that work, and there is no infringement. And so it becomes a very important secondary line of defense for Paramount as to whether or not there was sufficient completion in order to take advantage of this one aspect of Section 203. It will come down at the end of the day to a factual question that a jury will probably have to decide. It will be what state was the movie in on January 21st, 2020. In particular, are the elements that the plaintiffs claim were taken from the California Magazine article, were they complete? There could be other elements that the sound might not be quite finished yet. The sound effects might not be quite finished yet. The aerial stunts might not be quite finished yet. Those are not elements that are claimed under the copyright and therefore, it doesn't have to be complete, ready to be rolled out to the movie theaters. And again, keep in mind, the delay was apparently caused by the COVID pandemic. They didn't want to release this movie, which was going to be a blockbuster, they knew, when there was nobody willing to come back to the movie theaters yet. And so, I mean, there is a factual question here, and we'll just have to wait to see what the facts are. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. 
the people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. In the lawsuit, the heirs are asking for some profits from Maverick and to block the studio from distributing the movie. Considering what the movie's made already, they're looking for enormous damages here. They are. And let's start with this injunctive element. There's going to be no injunction issued. That simply won't happen. That sort of bar of free speech just is anathema to courts, even in copyright cases. Filmgoers do not need to rush out this afternoon and watch Top Gun Maverick before some theoretical injunctions issued. Not going to happen. On the damages side, I think the plaintiff also has a significant problem. The original license, my understanding, was sold for relatively peanuts compared to what was made with no element of profit being factored in. And the way we do copyright damages, the first thing we look at is what was the market for this copyrighted work? And to determine what the market is, you look what willing buyer and a willing seller paid prior to the infringement. And there's only one example of that, and that's this 1983 purchase of the original license. And that was relatively low dollar amount that had no profit participation. So I think there's going to be some problems on us trying to get a big chunk of the profits here. And even if the court allows them to seek some portion of the profits, it will have to be shown to what extent the California Magazine article contributed to those profits. The characters in the California Magazine article by Mr. Yone are not the characters that got put up on the screen. 
not Maverick. It's a rather bland set of characters um, who seem more like bus drivers going to their jobs every day and then drinking at night. And so I think you're going to have a, a lot of issues surrounding the damages. There's also the, the Tom Cruise element. I mean, a large portion of the demand for this movie and the profits being generated are because it's the return of Tom Cruise to his iconic movie role. And that has nothing to do whatsoever with the 1983 California Magazine article. This brings up this reversion of rights clause, which has become a thorn in the side of studios because they face the prospect of losing franchise rights to iconic works. And yet... You know, we've discussed this before. There's so much that goes into those works beyond the original script or the original plot. That part of the law just seems to me really unfair. June, you couldn't be more correct, and we have discussed this before. Section 203 um, of the Copyright uh, Act was arguably um, a legislative mistake on the part of Congress. During the revision period when we produced the Copyright Act in 1976, there was this litany of legislative testimony and submissions uh, to the effect that the actual creators, the writers of iconic works, uh, were being cheated by the big companies. You know, it was this image of the uh, lone writer in the garret or garage cranking out on a 1950s Underwood typewriter, this great masterpiece work, and then have it taken for pennies on the dollar uh, because he was starving and had to feed his family. And that was a myth. And yet Section 203 was the product of Congress buying into that myth. And essentially what they did was transfer or attempt to transfer a very significant portion of wealth not created by the original owners of the copyright to these original owners on the theory that the big bad companies of the United States needed to be somehow uh, brought to heel for taking advantage of people. I suspect that this original California Magazine article would have been worthless to Mr. Yone, and I suspect he's now deceased that he would have been thankful to get the small amount of money he got from Paramount on the speculation that it might someday get made into a movie and might someday make money. Keep in mind, most movies don't make money. And the fact that the reason this one movie, Maverick, the original, did so well was because of all the contributions you just listed. The writers, Mr. Yone did not write this script. The producers who put this together, the actors, the actresses, Kelly McGillis, the um, people doing the stunts, the aerial stunts, the contribution to the United States Navy for allowing the filming on their ships, all the sets, the makeup, uh, the marketing, the advertising for it. All of this is what made the movie the profit that it produced for the studio. And that's exactly what's happening with Maverick Top Gun again. The, the Yonais did not contribute in any way to any of that. Mr. Yonais simply documented on a, a factually what was going on at the Top Gun fighter training program in Miramar. And some executive paramount happened to read it, that article, and say, hey, this is a good idea. Let's lock it up, make sure it's our idea, and then we'll try to develop it. And that development process took three years, and Mr. Yane was not involved in it. This is different from Mario Puzo in The Godfather, where not only did they lock up the script, but they locked up Mr. Puzo, and he, along with Francis Ford Coppola, wrote the script for The Godfather, which was brilliant in its own right, set aside the book, and then were able to produce that vision that they had in their script into this great work, The Godfather. The same here. I'm not going to put Top Gun Maverick on the same plane as The Godfather, but somebody had a vision based on this 
concept of a fighter school at Miramar. And they put in the work and the effort to make that vision, to realize that vision. And copyright laws were not intended to deprive them of the fruits of their labor. In light of that, do you think that Paramount won't want to settle this? So I've seen and been involved in a lot of lawsuits in the intellectual property field where one party or the other had clear and obvious advantages. The problem is you can never tell what's going to happen in litigation, especially in a jury case. And so there is a benefit sometimes to achieve certainty by settling a lawsuit rather than taking a chance on litigating it. This is particularly true in the entertainment industry. Now, as you know, June, we've seen a number of songs lately, litigation over songs and copyright songs, go all the way um, through to trial and to jury verdicts and up on appeal. So there is definitely a trend in the entertainment industry to trying to quash these uh, meritless claims of copyright infringement. But this is the sort of case where you would expect that at some point a settlement would be reached if the Yonez are willing to be reasonable and if Paramount's willing to be reasonable, because it takes two tango. And so I would expect at some point there will be a settlement, but who knows? Maybe it will go far enough into discovery that one side or the other will feel that they have a dominant position and or one side or the other becomes unreasonable during the settlement negotiations. But the odds are it will eventually settle. So, Terry, you think that Paramount has the advantage here and that Paramount's in the right. Do you think it's enough for Paramount to win a motion to dismiss the complaint? So I think a motion to dismiss is certainly possible on the theory that there were no copyrighted elements taken in the making of Maverick or Maverick Top Gun, the alleged derivative work. It is possible. But as we've discussed before, Jude, motions to dismiss in the copyright field are, are challenging as a matter of law. It's not impossible. So it might happen here. With respect to the defense that we had substantially completed the movie prior to the termination date, that's just so factually contingent that I don't think that a motion to dismiss would lie for that. It's such an interesting lawsuit. Thanks so much for your insights, Terry, and for reading the original article. That's intellectual property litigator Terrence Ross, a partner at Katten Rosenman. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. Remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at www.bloomberg.com slash podcast slash law. I'm June Grosso, and you're listening to Bloomberg. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+.